This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. You may remember Susie Fogelson as a judge on the next Food Network star. Or maybe your kids saw her avatar on the Wii game Cook or Be Cooked. But her real job was driving the growth of the Food Network and Cooking Channel brands. Clearly, Susie knows her stuff. And now she helps start up and small businesses in the food industry tell their story and increase revenue. Coming up, you'll hear Susie share why she doesn't call herself a foodie and why the food-connected consumer is such a strong and influential group. About the increasing focus on multi-sensory engagement in the food industry and why it is so important for brands. A look at meal kits and why interpersonal engagement and community is such an important part of the multi-sensory movement. How brick and mortar stores can utilize these trends to make grocery shopping easier and more engaging. How fast food and convenience stores have been turning to data and trends in recipe sharing and healthier, more sustainable foods. Key factors that will play into the future of the food industry and why supply chain may be the most important thing the food industry can pay attention to. All this recorded on location at Grocery Shop in Las Vegas. This is Grocery Is Your Business, recorded on location. We're here today with uh, Susie Fogelson, who's the founder and CEO of F&Co. And um, I'm also joined by co-host Deborah Weinswig, who's here from Corsite Research. Thanks so much, Rob. Yeah. Great to be joined with you, Susie, too. Thank you. Happy to be here. Um, all right. Let's just start by asking you to share a little bit about your background and um, how you came to be in the food industry and uh, where you're at now. I have been in media and marketing for 24 years, 18 of those years focused in food. So the lion's share of my career was running marketing and brand strategy for Food Network. Uh, and two years ago, I left Food Network and started Fogelson & Co., which is F&Co. But it's awkward <laughs> to say your own name, so I just say F&Co. Yeah. Um, and I guess what I realized at sort of the end of my career, the last five years certainly at Food Network, is brands were coming to Food Network to connect with food culture. Yes, they were buying media across platforms that Food Network owned and, you know, published, but they were trying to connect with food culture. And so yeah. we worked a lot with our advertisers and our partners, whether that be a Kraft, a Unilever, or DirecTV, um, really trying to help them uh, uh, showcase their brand in a relevant way to what we call the food-connected consumer. So when I left food, it made a whole lot of sense to keep doing that, uh, just to do that in my own, you know, with my own um, banner. So mm -hmm. that's F&Co. We help brands find and tell their food story. And that's all about strategy and connecting with food culture and storytelling. And as you're doing that, are you a consultant? Are you doing the actual creation of content? What's the sort of role right now of the company? Sure. We'll do, we're doing both. I, I am not necessarily creative uh, director, but my partner is. So I think um, the best thing you can do when you're starting out is realize what you're good at and what you're not good at and then fill in. So I like doing the strategy and insights associated with food culture and the food-connected mm -hmm. consumer. And my partner is great at insights, but his forte is really that 
executive creative director level. So he, he can take the ideas and make sense out of them and make them look beautiful or compelling or whatever the goal is. Mm -hmm. So the answer to the question is we do both. Um, we try to think of compelling ways for brands to create strategies and then we help execute or articulate them across platforms. Excellent. And then um, as you've kind of taken this journey through food, what has shifted uh, for you personally on that journey? Um, a lot. But yeah. I think one of the most interesting things in food right now is that there was this word foodie that everyone used. And I think foodie has a lot of baggage. We think it has a lot of baggage. It feels exclusive. It feels high-end. It feels gourmet. It feels older. Foodie. And it's a hyper-passionate food person, which exists. I, I may even be one. <laughs> but that doesn't tell the story of what's happening in food today, right? Food is anything. It's inclusive. It's broad. It's multicultural. It's young. So Food Connected, although maybe it doesn't have the same you know, ring to it as Foodie, uh, Food Connected is a much better way to describe it. And we just published a study on food, the Food Connected consumer. And our research suggests that 62% of the U.S. is Food Connected. And that's from the cooks to the eaters and everybody in between. So the headline there, and what I think has changed so much, is that food is broad and inclusive, and it's a huge portion of the population, and it's a very influential group. And it's not just the bleeding edge that, of people that are non-GMO, vegan, organic. That mm -hmm. exists, and that stuff is really important with, with, with regards to how people make decisions about food today. But... You can still be passionate about food and love in and out. You can still be passionate about food yeah. and, and grill on the weekends. It doesn't have to be this full feet first into the food pool, mm -hmm. you know, sort of foodie. Um, and I think, that's, I think that's an important thing for brands to know. One of the aspects of your study that really struck me was the, the look at texture and color as part of the food experience and how there's this shift to multisensory engagement. Yeah. Um, that for me is really important because I'm, I'm a, one of the non-tasters, so um, I eat to stay alive. Right. Um, but texture in food is really important. So I can't do tofu, but I love foods that have multiple textures. So I love that you captured that. That was really well, Multi-sensory yeah. is, I think, one of the m most you know, sort of exciting and fun areas of food. Is it you know, salty, sweet, creamy, fizzy, spicy, buttery, tangy, right? Yeah. Just flavor and people's... Um, crave flavor and, and, and flavor experiences. But I guess I would say multisensory is about more than how, what the flavors are as a, when you're eating it, right? Multisensory is also food experiences. Yeah. And I think there's a whole area to that that is just exploding, right? Kind of in this, um, I think it's, I, I like to say it's this sort of like lovely contradiction that uh, people want convenience, they sort of want, they want to grab and go. They want to get in. They want to get out. But then on the other side, they also want rich food experiences. And they want both. It is a mindset. It could be a time of day. It could be the mood that you're in. Mm -hmm. But I do think that multisensory has so much to do with the flavor, but also how it feels and what the experience is. And I think brands, I think, you know, there's certain brands that are really hip to that and, and just doing a great job um, creating memorable and compelling experiences whether mm -hmm. it's sort of in the mouth or uh, something that you enjoyed, you know, uh, and, and created community around. Yeah. Um, how do you see the trend towards meal kits and, and sort of this, the convenience store side of the food industry? 
Do you think that that's playing into the multi-sensory part where you get that more engagement or is that a different phenomenon altogether? Meal kits, you know, I mean, as coming out of Food Network, obviously all we really wanted people to do was get in the kitchen and cook, you know, yeah. in, in any, it didn't have to be scratch cooking. It could have just been, you know, making rice and then heating something up. We just love the idea that people would be eating fresher food and cooking and spending time together. Um, I love that aspect of meal kits. I know it's, 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 it's difficult for those companies to figure out how to get in the black. Um, yeah. And you can use, you can see and feel the labor, you know, associated with my blue apron order, right? There's just so many little pieces to it. And yeah. I just feel like someone was working so hard on that meal kit. It just doesn't give you that Amazon vibe, if you will. Yeah. Um, in a good way, though. Uh, but I, I think that um, more people cooking is a good thing. And I do think that it is an experience. And, you know, I wish I, I, I don't have a recent data on um, how many people cook uh, mm -hmm. in, in, and enjoy cooking in their household. I, I hope that people are enjoying cooking more. I hope as an act of I think Blue Apron has has created um, time together to do something yeah. together, whether it be with your kids or whether it be with your significant other. So I think that is multisensory. Um, that wasn't necessarily the way that I was thinking about yeah. it, but I like that you're thinking about multisensory in that way, and it does create community. Um, well, it's interesting, right? We're starting to see more recipes available online, and this idea of retailers offering that as a service. So it's interesting as you're talking about how everyone's kind of interacting and thinking about, right, cooking more. But a lot of times I think it's difficult, right? I've got a few things in my fridge. How do I use them? Yeah. And if you can put these into an app, right, it can come up with these great recipes. So I do think that we're, you know, we're in this era of everyone wants to cook more at home and eat healthier, but sometimes they don't know what to do with the ingredients that they have. Sure. So we're starting to hear more and more about these apps that are available. And actually what's very interesting is they're also apps where you can put in your BMI, look at the ingredients in your refrigerator and it'll actually come out with very healthy <laughs> options for you so you know a look that. into the future yeah. <laughs> but you know so it's available here and now yeah. i think meal planning is a tremendous need i was on a panel today with someone that has an app called meal planning ninja <laughs> and it basically was i mean meal planning is as old as time right i mean yeah. rachel ray even did a show where she cooked everything on sunday got it all ready for the week the freezer library idea um yeah. i think that uh I think it would be interesting, speaking about retail, I think it would be an interesting idea. Grocery has to figure out a way to become, you know, more valuable, more of a destination, um, more useful, more compelling, more enjoyable. Just you can get food delivered in almost any form, certainly in the yeah. cities we live in, to your doorstep. So why are you going to the grocery store? I yeah. think it would be cool if grocery stores planned a dinner aisle. So imagine it's just a dinner aisle. You walk yeah. down this aisle, there's 25 different meals there. Everything from, you know, um, chicken, uh, grilled lemon chicken with all of the vegetables and anything, rice that you might need. Then there may be chicken parmesan. See, there's 25 different options of what you could have for dinner. And it's all in that one aisle and you just grab it and go. Yeah. Right? It's sort of reminiscent of meal kits inside grocery stores now. But I think even, more, even organized in a more... Um, efficient and helpful way. So, yes, I love the app strategy, but I also think that bricks and mortar physical, could be more yeah. helpful. See, the, the other opportunity, though, for bricks and mortar is, right, and they're online, 
you know, if you will, their, their own app is to, right, if I want to make tacos or if I want to make some, you know, other, you know, elaborate dish is just say, these are the items that I need and click a button and it puts everything into my cart. It has to be simple. It has to be easy and then have that delivered into my time window. And hopefully it's not a two hour time window. Hopefully it's something shorter. And also this idea, right, we're trying to encourage folks to have this you know, option to deliver to my office, put it in a cooler bag because it's got to be able to work with our, you know, our lives. That's right. Yeah. And then, you know, some of these retailers also have C-store formats. So how can I also pick up my order at the C-store? So, you know, not everyone is going to, you know, have this curbside pickup, but what can work in today's environment? But I do think that's a great idea, right? Where we've got these recipes and it's very easy to kind of, yeah. you know, put everything into the cart and do it all at once. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking like, so I'm very lucky right now in that there's a Whole Foods, a Fairway, and a Trader Joe's all within two blocks of my office. So I actually plan a meal and shop on the way home, which is something that other cultures do a lot more. That's right. Um, And I'm now the primary cook for the family as well, which is an interesting shift a little bit. Where do you get your recipes? Um, I don't right now. So I'm somebody who's allergic to recipes. I hate them. Um, I actually get physically anxious if I'm cooking off of one because... Uh, my, I had a blue apron experience where I took, cooked this amazing turkey dish and then hit it with my elbow and lost the turkey and then had to like come up with whatever was there that could fit that flavor profile. (laughs) So I stopped doing all the meal planning and all that. Um, but for me, it's, it's like, how do I have enough different things? Um, but you don't want to have four cups of ginger because like, how, how am I going to get rid of that? And so I'm, I'm wondering about like portion control and the mix and match ideas. And how do you tell people who are more experimental on the cooking side, how to have that flexibility as well? Because, um, the pre-planned works pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you just aren't in the mood for whatever it is that you got the meal kit for when you get home, Knowing how to spin it doesn't really work. Yeah, I think I think just speaking about Blue Apron, I'm a devotee, and I think they have taught me so much about sauces, so much yeah. about technique. There's so many ingredients that I have never tried, and I would consider myself to be someone who's you know eaten around, and I love the learning. Now my yeah. daughter does them, and I'll come home, and she will have done. She's 13. She will have yeah. done the Blue Apron. So I feel like I've learned so much about cooking and about yeah. flavors, and. Um, because you can go in in advance and pick the recipes that you want for the following week. Yes, it isn't, you know, what do I want for dinner tonight? It's sort of yeah. like, what did I want for dinner tonight last week? Uh, but I think it's a good system. Yeah. And, and, but I was curious about where do you get, if you're going marketing at one mm-hmm. of these great stores that you live near, yeah. how do you know what you're buying? Um, so the way I do it right now is I have an idea of the flavor profile I want. Okay. And then I just go and I look for a protein and I look for, and this all comes from the food network, like listening to enough, (laughs) you kind of get an idea of the building blocks of a dish. And then it's just like what pops out on the shelf or what fits the budget for that night or whatever. And then also like half my dishes end with the frozen chicken tenderloins from Trader Joe's Uh because it's the best base of a dish. Ever, you know, yeah. like you just build on top of that. Canvas. And yeah. Well, what's um, really interesting, though, is many food retailers now have consultants in store at no cost. Oh, interesting. And so yeah. they'll also help you through the store, especially if you have any kind of food allergy yeah. or if you have a flavor profile that you would like to use. Really? And then also, in some cases, those consultants will also merge online as well. And so there's this idea that, right, we're all time constrained. Some of us are budget constrained. Yeah. And also some of us have, you know, food allergies. And so this is a very important, you know, offering. Yeah. And that way you also become more loyal and you get a greater 
share of wallet from you know those consumers from those food retailers who are offering that you know yeah. as a service. It's really interesting. So I'm celiacs, and actually oh, my too. yeah. Yeah, which uh, plays a lot into my food shopping. So Whole Foods actually has a terrible selection of gluten-free tortillas. So if I want tacos, I shop at Trader Joe's. So th like the allergy actually hmm. determines where I go, but I prefer you know um, Whole Foods for almost everything else. So it's interesting how like huh. that definitely plays in sensitivity yeah. to your needs. Yeah. yeah. So Excellent. one thing I wanted to mention, what we're starting to see now, this whole idea, it's been a big kind of conversation piece around the conference at Grocery Shop, is this idea about how food is creating communities. And one of the things we're starting to see is in the C-store industry, because of the frequency of shop, is that there's starting to be this idea of community build in C-stores. And yeah. consumers are starting to post their own recipes and their own experiences, not only physically in the stores, but also on the websites. Um, really quick for the audience. When you're saying C-store, do you mean convenience stores? Convenience store? stores, yeah, yes. Yeah, so you. And so I think there's this interesting kind of almost ground swelling in terms of, right, the consumer wanting this experience and also wanting this community around their food shopping that's starting to kind of percolate. And it's starting to happen in, you know, the basically the locations where they're visiting the most. Interesting. When, when you say convenience stores, do you, do you think that there is a... a enough fresh ingredients at convenience stores? So I think that that's, that we're starting to change that. We're also starting to see that in drugstores as well. I think that's a very important, right, in Walgreens and CVS. Right. They're starting yeah. to be more of a movement because I think that's where you visit more frequently. Target actually put an entire grocery shop in, which I was pretty impressed by. Uh -huh. yeah. So I think where you buy your food is continuing to change, which is why I think this whole idea of share of wallet is so important. And the additional add-on services is also very key. If I could work with one client... I would love it to be 7-Eleven. I mm. think 7-Eleven, I, I grew up with them, like yeah. riding my little bike to 7-Eleven. Um, but I feel like they have an amazing hold on the young audience, right? Whether it's Gen Z, millennials, all of the above. And yeah. there are thousands of them. 80% of that store is food. But in my personal opinion, they don't get what's happening in food. They've mm. made some attempts to bring in some fresh juices. They have a little section devoted to what, is looks to be fresh and organic, but it's all about Slurpee donuts. And I just yeah. feel like that's not what's happening in food. Yeah. It can be part of the food experience, yeah. but they could do so much more to bring fresh food, delicious fresh food that's good for you, even if it's heat and eat. Mm -hmm. Like, heat and eat's cool. Yeah. But they have, you know, those rotisserie ta taquitos in every flavor imaginable, but nothing feels healthy. Yeah. And so I think they, that from a brand perspective, they continue to be convenience store, but not necessarily with the notion of what's really happening in food. That's really interesting. I, I think what I see when I go into 7-Eleven is the heat and eat. It used to be where I got all my food before I found out I was celiacs. But... Um, it doesn't look healthy, right? Like, even if it was, the presentation Image. with the lamps and, and the way, like, it just screams unhealthy, greasy, yeah. which is interesting, unhealthy, but greasy. it still tastes really good. So, so I'll tell you what's very yeah. interesting is Circle K in Hong Kong, which is also a convenience store, they've continued to evolve and getting a lot of feedback from the consumer on their app, which is called Stamp It!, and so not only have they put in, you know, kind of organic coffee, but they've also started to put in more healthy food choices, and a lot of it is fresh food. And so what they see is that it's driven, you know, kind of, I would say, traffic beyond what they've ever expected, and they yeah. have positive comps in that market uh, beyond.
beyond, uh, let's just say, the average. Okay. But yeah. they've continued to basically ask their customers what they want, and I think that's very important, you know, based on the example you gave Susie. Well, I guess I think that they're, they're you know, your 7-Eleven is kind of your local spot, and I love them. I'm not beating up on 7-Eleven at all. I think there's a tremendous opportunity there. Yeah. Um, but it feels like how, how so many um, fast casual brands try to really embrace their local community. So the idea that 7-Eleven could have a farmer's market once a week isn't crazy at all. Yeah. And there is definitely a farmer's market to be had and, and making these ingredients accessible and saying, hey, we get it. And maybe, maybe it's not um, uh, in all 7-Elevens, but I think there's an idea to try to shift perceptions. It's like McDonald's, right? Mm-hmm. That, now they're putting yeah. um, fresh, not frozen beef yeah. in their quarter pounders. And the McCafe that- branding, the whole switch is brilliant. And then Wendy's doing, you know, greenhouse tomatoes that are grown locally versus yeah. uh, factory. So these, the people that are shop that are eating at Wendy's and McDonald's, they might that might not be something that is game changing for them. Maybe meaning maybe they would be eating there anyway if the beef were frozen. But it tastes better, and and it is the wave of what yeah. people are expecting, even from quick service. And so McDonald's is saying, we get it. And uh, there was a, just a fantastic article about this shift and operationally what it took to yeah. create this new element in their supply chain was not easy. And so yeah. being, being serious about uh, lightening up or freshening up or doing something that's more purpose-driven is really important for brands. Uh, you guys know this, but it's really important now more than ever. Well, and the whole move to yeah. local, right? I mean, that's yeah. also, forager I think, yeah, yeah, forager was yeah. great. I mean, you know, they're working with all the local growers. And I think that not only are you supporting, you know, the local farmers and the local communities, but I think that it also then, you know, kind of you're, you're getting this local consumer who also feels, you know, kind of this pull towards your brand as well. So it, it really is a yeah. virtuous, you know, flywheel. What I really love about your comment, um, like taking that local and just going a step with it is that in New York, you have the problem of all the, um, I don't, depending on what you believe about the history of New York, there's a lot of planned areas that are food deserts where convenience stores are the only form of food. Um, and I love that idea of introducing healthy into communities that don't physically have access to it. I don't know if that problem exists in other areas, but I'm sure it probably does in other major cities where there's actually a zoning issue um, with accessibility. Well, I think that's what Aldi and Lidl have been trying to do, bring uh, fresh food at, uh, at relatively decent, price, d- decent prices and value mm-hmm. into areas that might not have a Whole Foods or a Trader Joe's. And even if they did, that might not be affordable. Right. So I feel like, I mean, that's what vertical farms are trying to do, right? Yeah. Create um, fresh vegetables, potentially fruit, but fresh vegetables in areas that there, there, there's no chance anything could be growing there. So more urban yeah, areas. Yeah. I think there's a lot of movement and energy in, um, in this notion of trying to solve for food deserts because they exist all over the country. Yeah, I love what Brooklyn Grange has been working on in, in Brooklyn about uh, rooftop, um, where the buildings can actually use it for energy and cost savings at the same time as introducing fresh food into the... Incredible, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, the whole urban farming movement has really taken off. And so, you know, what we see a lot of retailers doing is that they're also encouraging and even educating on the weekends how consumers can even grow food in their homes, even mm-hmm. in a limited space. And even a lot of restaurants are doing this as well. And yeah. so when they tell, you know, their you know customers what they're doing in terms of growing their own food in their restaurants, I mean, it's, you know, I, yeah. I think that this is a whole movement and I think it's more important than I think we realize. Mm-hmm. I read an article, I think, about 
seven months ago that talked about IKEA's investment in uh, appliances that go on your kitchen counter that grow vegetables. So the idea that they, yeah. they are investing in this technology because they really believe that you, you know, growing your own vegetables in your kitchen is very much a reality. It's kind of yeah. exciting. What do you see as, you know, the future? <laughs> wow, that's a big one. Um, 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 that my daughters go to really good colleges. No, <laughs> uh, or how about high school? We'll start with high school. Um, let's see about the future. I feel like um, when you look at this, this, just the curiosity and in interest and influence that, you know, people have as it relates to food today, right? Food is just a, uh, I, there are those, Rob, that do simply just eat to live, eat to live rather than live to eat. And, uh, but I think there's far more people that are, that dig food and are interested and curious about it. And so I think from my perspective, um, I'm most fascinated by some of the, the, um, the catalyst for, for the new companies that are being created within accelerators or incubators, that the idea that this triple bottom line really, really, mm -hmm. th that is a, that is a business model. Uh, I, yeah. you know, I, I obviously look at Deborah to help me out with that one, but the the notion that um, people, planet, profit are all on a level playing field is very encouraging. It's very encouraging to think about agriculture and the technology within agriculture, aquaculture, and ways that the planet can be better, people can eat better, and there's better value. It is, I don't know, in, in, a, in a scary and uncertain times, I, I did a panel earlier in the day and talked about Gen Z and that 57% of Gen Z think we live in scary, somewhat scary and uncertain times. Yeah. And that like sucks because we, we have Gen Z kids that like, that live with us. So just that they're, they're feeling that on a regular basis. So it's encouraging to, for, to me to see that the future of food could actually be good for everybody and you can make a, a great living or it's great for business and it's great for the planet. So and that probably seems a little yeah. uh, weepy of me, but I do think that to making to, in today's you know just what's what's happening in the world today can be very, especially in the last seventy two hours, can be very difficult. Um, yeah. If food can somehow solve problems, I mean, it's the basis of life. So that encourages me. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's been very interesting here at Grocery Shop where we're starting to see more companies really partnering and collaborating. Mm -hmm. And I think that's starting to take a lot of the confusion out for the larger companies that want to work with startups and innovators. Yeah. And I think that that will help propel the top line and the bottom line faster than we would have expected. So that to me has been a significant positive. And I really, right, this yeah. whole idea that right now food retail is a trillion dollar industry and only two to 3% is online. As we go to 5% and even 10%, usually there's this concern that going online eats away at your margins. I think that actually it could expand the margins. Yeah. So that to me has been incredibly positive and not necessarily what I expected to come in to grocery shop yeah. and out with. So that's been right the yeah. like big aha for me. That's, that's really interesting. So Mouth Media tries to pick industries that are about to explode. And so we were in fashion before fashion tech was a term. And we saw that start of collaboration, and that's what got us really excited about that's it. That's really interesting. It's, it's the exact same moment in food right now. Um, that was the when I was like watching you present uh, mm -hmm. Deborah on the startup panel. That was what I was thinking. There is like, okay, the conversations they're having are the same that we heard back in the day in fashion. Very cool. Yeah. What do you think is some of the most exciting stuff coming to retail, specifically grocery? 
I think it's supply chain. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think it's right. The consumer wants it, you know, last mile, but it's all about, right. I mean, do I want to deliver it to me at work? Do I want to pick it up at the retailer? Yeah. And the two hour delivery window is too long. Right. Yeah. I think 30 minutes is what the consumer wants. And we have to give the consumer, you know, that yeah. option. And so how to get it, where to get it, when to get it. So convenience. And, yeah. and it's convenience. And I think it's all about kind of this gamification aspect, how to make shopping fun again and, you know, kind of rewarding them for shopping with you and kind of getting more of their dollar. And, you know, do they want to, right? I mean, there's this whole element of AR, right? I mean, there's, you know, kind of retailers right now that I can name that you can shop when you're in the bathroom. So, right, why can't we enable people to shop how they want to shop? So I Mm -hmm. I think that the the possibilities in grocery are endless Mm -hmm. just because it's such a broad category. I mean, as we've we've talked about so many topics, but it's so broad and so, you know, there's so many opportunities. I love that you started with supply chain because I think the margin to fix last mile comes when you improve on the supply chain. Um, in the same, you see it a lot in in other industries too, where we're we're there's so much inefficiency and in many different ways all the way through. Um, there was a stat in in your study, uh, Susie, that was about how. Um, it, uh, it was something like we produce enough calories for every human on the earth to have 4,600 calories per meal, but we don't use the food properly and we don't get it to the right places in time. That's a supply chain issue. Yeah. 40% of our food is wasted. Yep. All right. So uh, let's take a break right there. Thank you so much. And, and what we'd love Thank to you. do now is actually ask you more personal questions. Sure. Um, just to get to know who you are as a person. I, we talked a little bit before the show, and um, just sharing a little bit about family. I'd love to hear from you. Um, you had mentioned something that I loved, which was the, the moment of getaway with the family. And I'd, I'd love to hear what's your go-to either book or what's your go-to personal thing when you have that moment of quiet uh, around the family and you get that step away. So what do I want uh, for myself yeah. when it's just my solo time? Yeah. Or what do I like to do with my family? Well, that's an interesting question too, but I'd love the solo time and then maybe share the other as well. Well, I'll say I I was at Food Network for many years and I was glued to my, started as a Blackberry, then morphed into an iPhone. Um, And when I left that corporate culture, I feel like it was transformative for my family. I feel like my daughter and I really know each other now. And and we didn't. We didn't. I loved her. I was a good mom, but I wasn't any... I wasn't connected to her in the way I am now. So um, she, one of my daughters is very physical, so we do a lot of scootering around the park. She's always good to go. I always say, Ingrid, good to go, Nelson. So she'll go to the farmer's market with me. She'll go to the supermarket with me. She's always just eager to go up to do anything. Yeah. So um, pretty much doing anything with Ingrid is my thing. And then Isabel, my older daughter, is a little bit more uh, sedentary. So we like to um, play, we play a lot of games at my house and we cook a lot together. So that's kind of my thing to do with Isabel. And um, just being in touch with them and in tune with them is, yeah. is a great gift. Um, Rob, we were laughing earlier about, uh, you know, when now I have to fly across country for work and I'm like, yes, <laughs> because <laughs> it's actually six hours at most of time yeah. to read. Um, I find that I used to read in the beginning when I was starting this company, I read a lot of kind of innovation, leadership, business books. And now I feel like I just go to literary fiction. Like I really need the break as yeah. in a, a, a small business owner, entrepreneur. I, I'm never not thinking about this company and how to build it and everything I'm not doing and how do I have to stay positive and all the things that you kind 
kind of mind, you know what, yourself, mind beep, yourself over. Yeah. Um, so literary fiction is a really great escape for me. That's awesome. What do you find is your inspiration? Inspiration. I box. So I, box, I do boxing three days a week. That's really new for me, too. That really saved me. I mean, like I said, I was at food for a really long time. That was my identity. Leaving that place, I was really openly confused about who I was and what was next for me. And so the best thing I could have done through a really serendipitous experience, found this amazing guy that teaches me. We do training, but we box. He's yeah. a, he was an Olympian for France. He's a boxer. Very cool. So I go yeah. to this sort of kind of down and dirty little gym in New York, and I box three days a week. And That's that is awesome. definitely, because after that, I can do anything. Yeah. Before That's that, amazing. I might be a little bit nervous about the future, but after that, I'm an ass kicker. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you for joining us thank on you. Mike. Um, yeah, I'd love to me. just hear from you, like, why are you at, at Grocery Shop? What were you hoping to get? And then um, how do you want to connect with people as well? Yeah, Grocery Shop, uh, it's my um, first time, obviously. I know of Shop Talk, uh, but Grocery Shop is a new experience. And... Um, at F Co, we work with a variety of uh, with in, in a variety of categories. So we work with in dining, we work with emerging brands, we work with big food, uh, but grocery, as we've discussed, is a transformative uh, space um, and idea right now. So definitely interested in just getting more into um, meeting people that are in this space. So we moderated a panel on Gen Zennials uh, with Hormel, Coke, and a vitamin direct to consumer vitamin company called Care of. Um, so that's really why I came, you know, to be part of the panel, uh, to moderate it. Um, and I've just gotten so much, just, just even listening to experts talk about grocery and supply chain and challenges and opportunities with technology in, in just how food gets to people is not my everyday. So I've really, I've really learned a lot. And I think yeah. that's a cool thing to be able to say coming out of a conference. I feel really energized coming from this conference. Um, it's also incredibly well organized. I think they are pretty much <laughs> yeah. badasses at conferences. Yeah. So it's been a great experience. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I have a website, fogelsonco.com, where you can see um, more about me and my partners and uh, the work we've done. So some of the brands that we work with uh, that will let us list them. Um, and... And yeah, we're, we're, we're always up to have conversations about where brands need to go and strategy and how to explore food culture. So. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on Mike. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having yeah. me, you guys. And it was great getting, yeah, it was great yeah. getting to know you. This is awesome. Thank yeah. you. You always have so much time. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Grocery Is Your Business is a production of Mouth Media Network, copyright 2019. Connect with the show on social media at Mouth Media Network and contact us at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.